Hello and welcome to Make Mine Mayday Audio Edition. I'm Zach Joyner, your friendly neighborhood host of the website and executive producer of the Spidey Dude Radio Network. Before we get started, I want to thank our patrons at patreon.com slash Spidey Network. Vinkman, Scott, Jurgen, Greg, Phoenician, and Kaylee, thank you for your support of this show, as well as all of our shows here on the Spidey Radio Network. Shows such as Voices from the Area Gargoyles podcast, Amazing Spider-Man Classics with Season 2 dropping very soon, CSC, Clone Saga Chronicles, uh, the final episode dropping very soon as well. Of course, we also have the Spectacular Radio, the Spectacular Spider-Man podcast that was completed here on the show, or on the network, excuse me. And of course, we have all of our shows are available on our various podcasting platforms, such as Apple, Google, Spotify. Be sure to give us a five-star review and rate us on those various platforms. Helps us helps people find the show. Leave us reviews. You can leave us a review on on those particular platforms. You can leave us reviews on. Let's send us an email, makemymayday at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail, 818-925-6631. And of course, uh, we want to also let everybody know we do live stream these programs, so we give our disclaimer at the beginning of every episode. Pay us no mind as we uh, go through and uh, make some references to visual aids. Be sure to check us out if you like. If you want to know more, go on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Network. Of course, you can always find everything at makebymayday.com and spidey-dude.com as well. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening here on the Audio Edition. And we will see you very soon. Hello and welcome to the end of Season 2 of Make Mine Made It, a show all about Spider-Girl and her world. I'm Zach Joyner, and if you're an audio listener, welcome. For our video viewers, welcome back. This episode is, of course, a big one, but once again, before we get started on the video, I want to thank our friends at patreon.com slash Network. Bankman, Scott, Jurgen, Greg, Phoenician, and Kale. Uh, if you want to learn more, go to patreon.com slash Network. They get some exclusive uh, perks, and they'll get this show before anyone else. Uh, thanks for listening, and stay tuned for more. Uh, as also, per our usual disclaimer, these episodes are live streamed on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. We take live comments, and we'll acknowledge them live. Join in on the fun, join on our social medias, and stay up to date on, uh, at spidey.com slash events. Of course... Uh, be sure to check out our uh, other episodes of our shows, such as Amazing Spider-Man Classics. Season 2, starring Jack and Hobby Trillo, is out now. Clone Saga Chronicles, where we'll be recording our final episode soon. Spectacular Radio, Spider Experience, our new show, Voices from the Area Gargoyles podcast, which we'll be having more hard-hitting interviews, such as Commander Riker himself, Jonathan Frakes. We also want you to let your voice be heard. We'd love to hear from you. There are a couple different ways you can do that. If you prefer email, you can leave us an email at network at gmail.com or makemymayday at gmail.com. If you want your voice to be heard on the show, leave us a voicemail at 818-925-6631. And just be sure to tell us what show you're calling about and where you're from, and we'll play on the live on the respective shows. Also, be sure to leave us a review on your favorite podcatcher. We'll do our best to read it on the show in a future episode. So with that, I turn it over to my co-host of the show, Kelly McDaniel. Hello, Kelly. Hi. Kelly's in the, uh, she's unfortunately trapped in the office. <laughs> so I, I am literally in, an, in a focus room right now. Yeah. So um, 
Yeah, so um, I, I do want to do a little bit of housekeeping. I want to let everybody know all the episodes of our audio uh, episodes are now on your favorite podcasting platforms. Uh, so they are all caught up. I did a huge uh, dump of episodes on Monday and got them all finished and got them all out. And uh, they were out of order. Uh, for some reason, 28 was showing up out of order, but uh, they're all should be back in order now. And so they are all, we are all caught up. So it's exciting. Awesome. All right. So as we all know, this is the last episode of the original run, um, which, you know, we are, basically at the end of March, which is uh, Women's History Month, and, you know... It is? Girl, I believe so. So, yes. Uh, like, it's International Women's Day, so International Women's Month, something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, because everyone... Everything has a month now. Everything <laughs> has uh, a week and a day and a month, and that is just the way it is. Uh, so, anyway... Um, Basically, uh, you know, Spider Girl is the longest running single uh, female led title of Marvel, which I know sounds like a mouthful, but people get nitpicky if you don't say it specifically. Uh, and we're not trying to start a fight here, even though maybe when. Um, so, right. like said, that's a perfect time to end the series. Uh, we will be back in between our little breaks, but I don't know when. Yeah, uh, we need to work on that for last uh, last world standing or last planet standing. Yes, man, we've already got quite a few comments too. Uh, Ryan yeah. Reed said it's payday time, uh -huh. um, but there is also some news, Kelly. <laughs> if you want to call it news. Uh, all right, so yeah, so uh, there is a Spider Girl NFT, um, and. You know, I don't really want to get into NFT business. Honestly, I don't even want to talk about this. Um, but, you know, there is an NFT that you can get of uh, an image of What If 105, and Marvel is selling it. And, you know, so there's that if you're into it. Um, and then I went down a huge rant about how NFTs are really just like buying a digital image for your uh your house in Neopets or Penguin Club, and I don't understand. Uh, so you know, there there is that. I don't like. I don't know if you're into the crypto currency and crypto investment pieces. I guess this would be nice to have. I know a lot of fans are really mad because they feel like Marvel only cares about Spider Girl when they can make money off her. Which um, welcome to the club. We've learned this a long time ago. Oh, <laughs> more, uh, yeah, so, I mean, unfortunately, yes, uh, Marvel will shill whatever they can if they think that it will sell. And so, yes, generally when they're testing waters with new things, like they did with Spectacular Spider-Girl and Marvel uh, Comics Unlimited, uh, yeah, they use Spider-Girl. They generally do. Because they know that there's a dedicated fan base that will normally buy it, so then it looks good. But I'm a little burned out, and honestly, I don't like the idea of NFTs or cryptocurrency as it stands right now. I think that there needs to be more protections in place. 
because you're not getting something unique to just you. It's the same image that you're buying that literally because of the lack of security features, somebody could post it on Twitter saying, look what I got and you can just save image and boom, now you have the NFT. So it's, I don't know, it's not, it's not worth, to me, it's not worth it, at least not right now. Um, if people are angry at me about that, I'm sorry, feel free to well, and, and, argue with me in the comments. Maybe I, maybe I don't, maybe I'm missing something, but I don't feel like I am. I really right. feel like it's just art for your, you know, Penguin Club, which is basically what Facebook metaverse is anyway. I, I, I don't get this. This is something that I'm not particularly looking forward to, and I'm probably not going to participate in. Like it, it just, I have some crypto um, investments, but it's like I have like fifteen dollars worth of crypto. It's not like I've got like thousands of dollars worth of it. I mean, well, I mean, I, so in the beginning, I think crypto seemed exciting. It just was like as it went on, you realize just how in how unsecure your money is. Yeah. Like it's not, it's, it's an interesting concept that I think could go places if it was properly regulated, which it's not. Yeah. And, we and, get and into that. That's a whole other thing. That can be a whole show of us talking about. <laughs> but yeah, I, <laughs> I, it's one of those things where I'm, I, you know, we're too old, I guess. No. Yeah, this is the one time where I'm like, we're not cool enough to to participate. At times, <laughs> like I, I really don't. I, I don't understand. Like, <laughs> I, I, look, I'll be a grandma when it comes to this. I don't care. I mean, half the time I feel like I should just take all my money and just hide it under my mattress anyway. So that's fair. That's I mean, fair. You'd be better off. Some sometimes you know they used to do that in the olden days. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like I'll I'll be a grandma when it comes to comes to this. I, I just I don't fully understand it. So feel free to tell us if we're wrong. I'm I'm fine with that. I'm cool with disagreeing here. Um, but yeah. yeah, I just I'm not I'm not into it. Um, I do feel like, at least from what I saw, it seemed like it was a very negative reaction uh, from the fans. But I did see a very positive reaction in the crypto bros that have never probably opened up a comic in their life. So, I mean, it does technically help, does technically help like show, you know, show Spider-Girl to a new audience. So there is that, there, there's that plus side, there's that positive, I guess. Yeah. I, they feel like they've I, invested in her, so... Yeah, and, and you know, I know there's like, a, and, and like the image is like of, of uh, like it's our it's an exclusive drawing. It's Ron Lim doing it. Yeah, I think. Is it? Yeah, I think it was Ron Lim. Um, it is, but it's of the What If One Hundred Five. Yeah, it's got the trade. It's weird because it's got the trade dress of like What If One Hundred Five, but I think it's like Ron Lim drawing it or something like that. I don't know. I don't uh, know. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, again, no disrespect to the artist, but I would prefer to, I would prefer to buy an original drawing from Ron Lim than I would buy an NFT. A hundred percent. Like, I'd, I'd rather, I'd buy a variant cover 
you know what I mean, of Ron Lim's drawing. Like it now, I just feel like a, I, I, if I buy into it, I own a piece of a piece. Like you, you own a piece, aka you own the picture. That again, um, as you know, as our good friend uh, Mr. Comics eighty nine wrote, I'll just you know write, right click and save it and print it. Yeah, in yeah, the comments. You don't, you don't need because the moment someone shares it in a public forum, that's it. It's going to be shared forever. It's on the internet forever, and anybody can save it. So it's not. It's not really as exclusive as it's marketed to be. And again, it, that's, again, like I said, like this brings it into the whole cryptocurrency thing. It's not as safe as people make it out to be. And the only people that seem to be getting rich off of it are very, very already rich uh, tech people that it, it, it almost feels like a Ponzi scheme at times. Yeah, it's a scam, and you know people have gotten caught scamming using cryptocurrency and NFTs already. Uh, so yeah, and I think that that's where we need to kind of, because again, we could talk about this all day, and I literally said in the main things, do I have to talk about this? But you know, it is new news. It is something that you know, hey, Marvel is using Spider Girl in their new NFT thing that they announced. I think they announced it in the Spider Man. Um, 80th uh, little thing that they did for Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, that live stream. Yeah, I missed it. I don't care. (laughs) They did have a friend of the channel, um, JMD Mateus, on there. They Uh, did, yeah. Well, I missed him. I missed him. That's fine. There was somebody else I didn't particularly care for. And after a really long day, I didn't want to hear him talk about himself. So, (laughs) Um, Uh, yeah. So, anyway. Excuse me, I had a sneeze. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, all right. Uh, so. Yeah, so anyway, let's go ahead and get the ball rolling with some very important spider history for this. Yeah, so um, at this point, we knew uh, my tag. What was going on at Marvel at this time? So obviously, uh, a few episodes back when we covered issue 85, we, we talked about how the announcement was made that this, the title was safe through issue 100. Um, we didn't let up at this point. The Save Spider-Girl crew went into overdrive because we knew that we had at least a year and some change to, to you know ratchet up the marketing. Um, sales kept improving little by little and kept holding steady. They never decreased at this point. Um, I have an ADHD brain. Hold on. Who who drew the flyer or who made the flyers rather? I don't think anybody technically drew them. Who made the flyers that were on the forms at the time? Because I do remember printing them off and taking them to local comic book shops. I think that was John. Okay. If I'm remembering correctly, that was John. Jeff back had then street teams were big. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, John he did a lot of the graphical work, I remember. Um, him and Matt, I think, did a lot of the graphical work. Uh, Jeff, Jeff actually did like the had the media campaign blitz. Uh, yeah, I was I actually, that. yeah, I actually, I actually found it uh, through the inter- through the archives. Um, I had linked it onto the front page of Spidey Dude at this time, and so. Um, 
I was able. I was going through looking at the through the archives at Spidey Dude for something completely, you know, something not even relevant. But I was like, oh, I clicked on it, and the link worked, and it took me to the page. And so we. Um, Are you gonna show I, it? Yeah, and I was able to download it, which was crazy. Um, I don't have Word anymore, so I, I can't. It's only read only, but I, I'll uh, I'll email hey, it no, to you. You should be you should be able to put it in. Um... Put it into Google Doc. Okay. I'll try upload to open it. it. Yeah, upload it to Google Doc and see if they'll open. It should open. Okay. Uh, that I will do. Um, and we can kind of go through that uh, maybe next episode, you know, as we talk with everybody. Uh, I'll try to find more of that stuff and, and bring it up, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, so we kind of knew we had to reach 100, but it was largely no news. It was very eerily quiet. Like even Tom and Ron had been in pretty pretty quiet at this point, um, so it it it's kind of funny as we got to this last few issues. I mean, our, we were still blitzing, we were still pushing hard to campaign for it, but we didn't know if we got the renewal. Uh, and, and in fact, the way we found out, uh, I definitely will be talking about that. Um, to. Uh, kind of describe to you how everybody found out. It was really, really cool. Um, just really, really insane. So, um, all right. So, with that, I, I we can go. Uh, let's go through the comments right quick, just so that way everybody gets acknowledged. Ryan Reed says, "Hey, time." Tells us, "Hey." You already did this. Oh I, well, I didn't go through all of them. Uh, okay. Ryan, Ryan caught up today. Um, we had Mr. Comics, SoFlo, hello, SoFlo. Mr. Comics, we acknowledged him. Uh, Matt Burns, uh, also a part of the sh show. Um, Jared, my, my co-worker, he says, hey, you Hi. guys. Sloth from the Goonies. And so, yeah, hello to everybody that's watching us right now. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Kelly, who's going to do our breakdown of issue 97, if you're ready to go. I am ready to go. I think I flustered you. Uh, the private chat. You had an extra week. We could have had this set up to show everybody, and it would have been special. But all right, we'll have to I'll, wait. While I'll, uh, while you're doing your break, be nice. I'll, <laughs> I'll pull some stuff up. Then let's do that. All right. I'll all right. All right. To the to the drive. I'll, all right. You try to work on it. So Spider Girl ninety seven uh, cover date is June two thousand six. It was on. Sale April 5th, 2006. The cover shows Hobgoblin is back, and the title of the issue is I'm Back. So uh, May spars with Phil as she thinks about how the Scryers want her dead. She's not telling Phil the details about why she wants to train with him, but she's trying to sharpen her reflexes in preparation for what she knows might be the fight of her life. Phil accidentally hits a crate with May's spare costumes in it with a laser blast, and they keep firing until May takes Phil out and knocks him off his glider. Phil says he wishes Normie could train with them, and May asks where Normie is. We see that Normie is at Whedon's compound, and as Christy flirts with Agent Whedon, we see that Normie has come to offer Whedon a deal. He'll volunteer to be a member of his Thunderbolt-esque team if... Raptor is given a full pardon for her past crimes. May can't stay awake in class and meets up with Felicity in the hallway after. They whisper to each other about 
the scryer killing himself in front of them. And what, and as traumatized as they are, they know these guys just aren't going to stop. Felicity apologizes for giving May a hard time about basketball and tells her that she needs to figure this all out before the scryers fix her. Check in with Moose at the hospital with his dad, who is still recovering from the fight in issues 94 and 95, and Moose's Uncle Billy offers to take him and his brothers to New Jersey to take care of them while their dad recovers and gets treatment. This means moving away from Courtney and Midtown High. As Courtney tries to comfort Moose, he says he wants to talk this over with Mayday, which hurts Courtney. May walks down the hall and thinks about what Felicity said and how maybe she should just pack things up and quit being Spider-Girl. Heroes always find a way to save the day, and right now she can't figure out a way out of what is going on. And then her mind goes to how she can't even keep guys interested, which we'll chat in the reviews, but, you know, this is a common thread with me. <laughs> um, but she thinks, uh, a, what in the, oh, I have no clue what I wrote here. Uh, Faither, I think my spell check killed me, but she thinks about words that never fail. Oh, sorry. Now I know what I was trying to say. She she thinks about those those good old words that just when you say them, they never fail to make things worse. Things can't get any worse. So obviously, naturally, they do. Somewhere in the Caribbean, the scryers bust Roderick Kingsley out of prison, alluding to a certain bounty hunter finding him and putting him in private prison. Uh, that he seems to be in. The Scryers want him for their plans on killing Spider-Girl and Roderick is happy to help as he gets to be free and gets revenge on both Norman Osborn and Spider-Man, like the Scryers promised him. May is in the gym shooting some basketball while thinking about what to do as Sabita comes in ready for practice. She plays a little one-on-one -on -one with May and tells her that she notices how stressed she seems and really wants to know if there's anything she can do to help. Uh, May tells her that, you know, she's just feeling kind of moany and sorry for herself because she doesn't know what to do anymore. Nothing May has planned for her life has worked out, at least not the way she's envisioned it. Davida tells her to just go with plan B, find a new plan. And it's, that bit of pep talk that May needed to hear. May thanks her for the game and the advice and heads out before Coach Thompson sees and gets any ideas. We cut to Brenda rightfully being mad at Normie because he did not clear his little offer with her and she can take responsibility for her own actions. Thank you. But Brenda is also not infallible and once she hears that Normie is doing this for her to have time to plan their wedding, it's all hard eyes again, even though. As he's saying all these nice things, he also apparently set the date and rented the hall. So I guess Brenda doesn't get a say in that either. Ew. Uh, anyway, I find this pretty controlling and weird, but Brenda finds it romantic, so cool. Christy just kind of looks on and writes in her notepad. Uh, May hears the basketball team practice as she leaves, for, leaves the school halls and she wishes she could find a way to negate her powers so she can play fairly and rejoin the team. Though, if she didn't have her powers, she wouldn't have any way to fight the Scryers, which she still needs to figure out what to do there. And suddenly, she has an idea and starts running somewhere. 
Back in Normie's office, Normie and Christy are talking first about how lovely Brenda is. And then Christy asked, why did Normie send her specifically or send for her specifically to be her, his personal assistant, you know, when he could have anybody else. And Normie tells her that with his mother gone, he needed someone who knows him the best to tell him if things are going too far with the Venom symbiote. He tells her that he likes you know, he feels like he has control on it, but he could just be fooling himself. Christy ra uh, helped raise him when she was his nanny, and he felt that she was the perfect person to help watch him if he needed it. If he falls too much into the darkness, he's going to need Christy to contact Spider-Girl so, so she can destroy him. You know, not stop him, destroy him, because it's normie, so there has to be dramatics. Uh, so Roderick gets his hobgoblin suit and weapons while on the Scryer plane, and May heads to the warehouse to get her black costume, thinking if she ditches her red and blues, maybe she can shake uh, the prophecy up too. Black Tarantula gets uh, some updates on May's situation, including the hobgoblin breakout, though Chesbro, uh, through Chesbro, Chesbro and Fabian decides he needs to pack his bags and have a little talk with the Scryers. We get this awesome page of Roderick and May suiting up in both flying slash swinging out saying I'm back and there is no to be continued or anything else on the page. They're just back and that's it for this issue. All right well what did you think of that? Yeah, this issue is really cool. I remember um, when this got solicited, it was such a big deal for for Kingsley to show up because we hadn't seen him since Goblins at the Gate, um, which they obviously referenced in here. Um, I, I really enjoyed how Kingsley just takes no prisoners i mean he just really he's very to the point he, he literally goes in and kind of owns owns the owns the room and owns the scenario uh, i really also liked how they you know immediately are addressing everything with felicity and how she's shooken up um uh, the couple of things i do want to say i'm pretty sure the final two pages are a homage to mm -hmm. um an amazing issue that that uh Tom and Ron did. I think the Hobgoblin uh, or the issue after MJ reveals that or yeah, she's after right around the time MJ revealed the secret to Peter uh, where he's suiting up uh, in the original costume. Um, so love that. Um, I, I just I really I felt like this was just, you know, a really good way to set up, you know, and, and show that Roddy is a force to be reckoned with. And normally I'm like, Oh, the, you know, it's not, it's not, t it's not telling you, it's showing you. I also like, um, you know, I always like when Ron, you know, uh, adds in little touches with the hobgoblin, especially. So like one of the flashback scenes is from, uh, ASM 249, uh, battle mm -hmm. with, with Roddy. And so I always like that. Um, I just really enjoyed the issue. Uh, one thing, I don't know if it's in the digital copy or not, because I didn't double check, but um, there, there's a scene with Brenda and and Normie where they're, you know, talking about the wedding and everything. Mm -hmm. Does 
have like a kind of like a hue to it. It feels like on the coloring, it's really weird. Uh, uh, did you read the original? Were you reading the originals or digital? I was so, reading the original. Yeah. Yeah. And, so I mean, these were digital colors, so it's not like the artwork is super different. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that they clean. I think they brightened it up a bit on the digital. Um, okay. But I do know that so like anything in Normie's office has a very cool tone to it, mm-hmm. which it could just be stuff like bad office lighting, or um, you know it could just be that he. Even though you know we'll see what happens with Venom, I do feel like there's bits and pieces of how Normie acts, especially like with Brenda, while he has the while he has Venom on him where it's it's very controlling to a degree like i don't think he's meaning it to be but it's very much like i know best and you know i think we've we've established normie doesn't know best no so you know he's still very much uh a young i mean i i would call him a young kid you know i know that he's technically an adult but he's 19 20 years old that's not very old he's not very wise i'll put it that way right so I, I feel, I mean, even though we knew that the end was coming, obviously this is all set up as an end. Um, it does slightly feel like he's still, like he says, there's a darkness to him while he's got, you know, while he's under this, like, you know, while he's bonded, there's a darkness. And so I think that that's kind of what's being portrayed here, if that makes sense. I agree. I, I think that that's it's really a quite I, I Normie is very impulsive and reading it through today's eyes like planning the wedding and not having Brenda have a say like bro bro that's what I love I love how he's like no I did I I made this deal for you so you you don't have to go back to work and you can be my pretty little housewife and plan the wedding also I already set the date and got the venue. So what what does she have to plan? A dress? I mean, colors, I guess. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's... No, he, he's like, oh, we're doing green and purple. <laughs> that's our right? color. Yeah, that, that's their colors. <laughs> and black. And black for her. And he'd do it. And that's, that's my thing. Like, that's the thing is that what it feels like is it's like, I think he had every intention of being like, this is supposed to be nice and kind. Because again, like, you know, we'll see later. She very clearly has always had this like mentality that she's a princess that needs to be saved and that this is her Prince Charming. But the thing is, is that, you know, to me, this does, you know, there's not a lot of autonomy here. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And at first she gets mad and she's like, hey, like, I'm I'm a person. I should be involved. But then he's just like is flowering her with pretty words and, you know, basically holding that dream that she has over her like a stick. And this is something that, you know, like I know a lot of people uh, like our friend Fro Goat gets mad at me for saying, you know, I, I don't see them, you know, had this store had this part of the story continued or had the series continued in any way, I just don't see Normie and Brenda working out. And this is, again, one of those parts of why. And it has nothing to do with like being evil or having some bad negative thing towards it. It's just 
they're very young kids and this is very young kid stuff that I know I've seen and you've seen and normally it does not work out because again it's they're hearing these pretty words but they're not realizing that they like Brenda has even though Brenda is wise and like this isn't I wouldn't say that it's necessarily abusive it's just she's kind of going from one person controlling her to another in another form in this way and she's kind of falling for it and I don't like it and the older I get the more I hate it if that makes sense no it makes complete sense you know having been married now twice um if I pulled what Normie pulled I'd have died yeah yeah Sarah would kill you Sarah would kill me like yeah. like we're still planning our big wedding but we're like we've delayed it because obviously us moving down to houston kind of accelerated some things um that and you know inflation hit and whew, yeah everything. but like you know what i mean like you know it's you want to do it together you don't want to control well, you know because that's a bit, uh, venue is a big thing and like mm-hmm. the date is a big thing like what if he had planned it which i mean we do see later he's just like what about today? Uh, but, you know, it could have been, you know, like, for all we know, it could have, it could have been like two weeks from now or something weird. And like, that's a lot of stress and a lot of weirdness that doesn't, you know. I'm my that. first, I, I put together, we put together in four and a half weeks, um, zero out of 10. I would not recommend. Don't do that. Take your time. Enjoy the process. Like we didn't even, I didn't, we didn't even get to enjoy the process the first time. And it was a little bit like that the second time, but we always kind of knew that there was going to be the second wedding. So, Hmm. you know, and we had planned on doing it in April, but obviously things got changed. But I, so yeah, like I, I, I get where Normie's at, you know, but this is. A lot of times I, I view it as, as a groom, you, it's, it's her day that you do together. This is something that girls think no. about. No, it's, it's, it's his, and it's his in the venom. It's his in venom's day. Cause again, <laughs> this is basically move. This is movie venom. This is, yeah, it is. Life. it is, it is true. <laughs> like, like for, for all we know, venom, Venom secretly pushing this so he so you know they it could get married to Normie because <laughs> the gender changes on on the symbiote in this mm-hmm. which I yeah. think is intentional. Uh, someone confirmed that I believe that the gender switching is intentional because it's you know it could be any gender or no gender because it's it's alien. It's you know well it, it I'm saying that because you know humans humans yeah. also can evolve identify as no gender and that's valid but um you know you know what i mean like it's an alien it doesn't necessarily have to abide by human biological standards that's true that's true you want to move on to uh issue 98 yes i let's go all righty so Cover date is July 2006, and it was on sale May 10th, 2006, and the title is Sacrifices Must Be Made. So we start with a wonderful, normal Parker family breakfast, coffee, pancakes, apparently no wheat cakes, uh, newspapers, and baby formula. 
That is until Christy opened her mouth. She's going on and on about her job and how nice Brenda is and Normie. And she lets slip that Normie needs to get rid of the venom thingy. Shocking MJ and Peter calling and Peter calls out to May for an answer as May tries, you know, as May was trying to feed Benji his bottle. May does what anyone would do when they get caught in a lie. Uh, run. Immediately leave. Just walk away. Um, she tries to, telling everyone she really needs to head to school. And Peter catches her arm and leads her into the hallway to have a serious chat about Normie still having the Venom symbiote. May admits to lying about uh, them killing it, though not explaining that Normie begged her to let him keep the alien serial killer, and she just made a judgment call to trust him. Peter is hurt and disappointed that May would lie to him, which is quite fair. Peter asks if there's any anything else she's keeping from him, and May can't even look him in the eyes, but says no as she thinks about the Scryer situation. Pete, Peter's dad of a teen senses goes off, and he knows she's not being honest, so he asks her for her web shooters and suit. May is grounded until further notice, and she is definitely not allowed to see that Osborne boy until Peter can come up with a plan to kill the alien creature. Since May's pleas falls on deaf ears, she gives him the shooters and her classic suit. May feels so guilty about having to betray her father like that. She hates lying to him, and she hates that she's still lying to him, as she can't bring herself to tell him about the Scryers you know, that she has her black suit hidden in her backpack. She's definitely going to go see Normie, and she's going to keep being Spider-Girl. At least her day can't get any worse, right? Why does she keep setting herself up for failure like this? Like, she's just manifesting bad things by saying this to herself. Uh, so, yeah, no, things do get worse. Uh, never, I literally wrote, never even think that to yourself. It always gets worse after. So we cut to Hobgoblin doing a little target practice and blowing up a Spider-Girl doll, or at least I hope that's a doll, and not some person in a suit that it kind of looks like. Um, it is with the Scryers, so who knows? Uh, the Scryers brief Hobby, Hobgoblin, I'm going to probably call him Hobby, uh, on Spider-Girl's many, many friends who will probably come to help her when she needs it and how they want Hobgoblin to destroy as many of them as possible to serve as a warning to never defeat a Scryer, least be this your fate. Uh, the Scryer's only rule is that Kane must be delivered to them as they want him to themselves to torture before eventually killing them because it's personal. Meanwhile, at Whedon's compound, Normie and Kane are sparring and Kane is being his usual sunshiny, welcomey self to his new teammate. So, you know, sarcastically congratulating him on his engagement and reminding him that he doesn't trust him. As Kane brings up Spider-Girl, Normie tells him that even though he might look like the Venom of old, Spider-Girl knows that Normie will gladly lay his life on the line for her if, she, if it's ever needed. And Kane proceeds to tell him about the Scryers and what is going on. May is haunted by the Scryers as she walks down the halls of Midtown High going over how they want her dead. Davida brings May out of her thoughts and tries to get her to go shopping with her, but May declines. Then Moose and Courtney meet up, and Moose asks if he can talk to May in private and run something by her, which May, confused, obliges and follows her friend. 
Davida asked Courtney what this is all about, and Courtney, upset, says she doesn't know. She's just the girlfriend, or at least she was. <clears throat> the Lady Hawks are beating up some thugs that all have bald heads and skin-tight t-shirts. As they make some clips about how weird this hijacking seems, the Hobgoblin comes in to tell them that it was a setup of sorts, and, well, it doesn't look good. Back at Midtown High, May and Moose are in the courtyard, and Moose tells May about everything and about how Uncle Billy offered him and his brothers a place to stay, but it means that he'll have to move, and he doesn't want to leave, but he really can't take care of his brothers on his own. May tells him that the right choice isn't always the easiest, and she hugs him as he tells her that he doesn't know how to tell Courtney. And then Jimmy walks by at the right time to take things completely out of context, because of course. Uh, at the Squire headquarters place thing, uh, Fabian destroys, uh, destroys a house. He destroys a bunch of walls and kills at least one person to get an audience with Raza, uh, the head of the Squires, so they can discuss their conflicting business and hopefully he can get them to disengage with their plans to kill Spider-Girl. At school, Jimmy goes ballistic on May about cheating, which, um, you know, as, as we remember about Jimmy, Jimmy and Heather ran around on Brad. So, you know, this is totally not hypocritical, and he's definitely of the moral fiber to discuss this. But, you know, he's also wrong. And while May is trying to tell him that she doesn't understand how he's come up with this, as she's just been helping her friend who is currently dealing with some really heavy stuff, Jimmy says May needs to talk to Courtney because he doesn't need convincing. She does. And I literally just wrote, why? Why start drama, Jimmy? Why? Like, there's really no need. And this is what he does. This is, he does this the whole series. So I guess he had to get one good one. One good one in. One last one. So meanwhile, Javi does a number on the buzz. And JJ goes silent as Rich uh, on Richie. As May is on the school rooftop changing, she gets a call from Peter, who tells her to immediately go home. And as she tries to tell him where else can she go, she doesn't have web shooters. Uh, she takes a bad reception and hangs up because she's been ricocheting. Um, so we cut to Brenda's phone, and it's open on the ground with a beautiful photo, uh, which I don't know how they got a very clear photo on a flip phone in 2006, but, you know, <laughs> there is that of uh, Normie and Brenda looking very much in love and very sweet. And like I said, the flip phone is open on the ground and we see here a like twalking off the panel. So like, you know, someone's getting hit really hard. Um, and we also see lots of blood fall. And we go <clears throat> through how Brenda didn't have really the happiest lives growing up and how she has finally met her Prince Charming. And it's supposed to finally live happily ever after as we see her fall with a loud and hard thump. May realizes her guilt is going to eat her alive if she just doesn't come clean with her parents. So as she is planning to actually head home, she gets a call and thinking it's her dad, she tries to tell him she is really heading home now when Hobgoblin introduces himself. Kingsley explains that he took Raptor's phone and where Spider-Girl can pick, uh, you know, basically picked up or hopefully just knocked out friend. Hobby says that, you know, he does have another phone call to make and hangs up on Spider-Girl. And she rushes to 61st and York to hopefully find her friend alive and unharmed. 
why would the Scryers do this when their issue is with her? As she gets to the location, she senses that Normie is nearby. Uh, he was called too, and then couldn't reach Brenda. As they look for her, Normie is stunned to silence by what he finds. Spider-Girl looks to see uh, you know, what was in the direction he's looking at and finds the Buzz, Lady both Lady Hawks, and Raptor tied up on the fence of a playground, not looking too good to be continued. Gorgeous two-page splash. Uh, love that splash. I hate the implication of the splash, but I love that splash. Uh, I also want to note, uh, since I am reading the floppies, uh, that they do have a Last Planet Standing ad. Woo! So that'll be our next episode whenever we cover it. But uh, for those that are listening to the audio, I just showed the actual <laughs> ad on the screen. Yeah. Um, Yes, I also found the Media Blitz, and I have the PDF Yay! version. Uh, we'll pull that up here in a little bit. But uh, anyway, um, love this issue. I, I really have always found this cover very striking because it's a black and white cover with the red. Um, uh, I just really have enjoyed it. I like that pose of Mayday, too. Um, I just always have enjoyed that. Um yeah. Hey, I have a quick question. Since yeah. you have the floppy there. Mm -hmm. Uh Ryan's giving that um Agent Whedon, you know, was giving excuses as why he couldn't give Brenda a pardon, and I do remember that, but I don't remember seeing it in the digital copy I read today. Can you double check that? Because that might be another missing page. Okay. Let me double check. Yes, I, while I'm doing that, you can give your thoughts. I'll I'll look. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't have a lot of thoughts on this issue because obviously it's very action-packed and the stakes are getting high like we are definitely reaching the boiling point of the series and um you know kingsley really ups the ante here so it's you know it's stressful and and exciting edge of your seat you know you just kind of want to get to the next issue as fast as you can and keep reading and you're you're just really engrossed in the story mm -hmm. um but yeah, I didn't even notice that. I mean, I've been, obviously I've been busy today as we were talking about that. So when I was rereading, I did not even, didn't even think about it. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it very much, when I read it now, it, it feels like it's, it, it, you're right, it is very, very setting up of the issue. The, the whole, um, I love the, composition though of of the page where you were talking about you know the flip phone and how it just very cinematic to me yeah no it's it's set up like a tv series like it could be a cw show or wb yeah. show at the time upn <laughs> hi, hi winter soldier that is will sanchez hi uh so he, he used to host a, a podcast called uh uh, Avengers Assemble that I used to be on way back, like, ten years ago. Actually, you know uh, what? You know what? While you're talking... Yes. Because I, I do have... Um, I mean, I, I don't. I don't have the scans. I, you know, they're gone forever. I I never illegally saved them from um, LiveJournal. And they're currently not, not totally sitting in my Google Drive. So uh, I'm going to magically find the page 
while you do your breakdown. <laughs> or leave. You could also leave, Zach. Thanks. So anyway, guys, um, I'm going to double check that because unless I'm thinking about something else later. Yeah. Maybe I think about something else later, maybe? Because, I mean, Ryan's right. I do remember this. But that's why I was like, was that in issue 100? Am I missing the page? I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I like. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, it's right in front of you, but I can look while you're you're doing your breakdown. Yeah, go ahead and look. Um, okay. And go from there, and I'll. Uh, are, all right. Are, like, I mean, is is there something amazing with that? I think so. Like. Okay, so maybe it's from Amazing. I'm going to double check, though, because now, see, this is what happens when Marvel, you know, misses pages. We just don't trust them anymore. <laughs> they no longer have reasonable doubt. <laughs> That's what's yeah. happening. All right, so <clears throat> Spider-Girl. I'll do my breakdown of Spider-Girl 99. Uh, all right, our issue begins. Uh, Girl 99, uh, written by Tom DeFalco, art by Ron Friends, uh, finishes done by Sal Buscema. Our issue begins with May hopping in as they wheel Brenda in with the Lady Hawks. Captain Ruiz is trying to question Normie about what has happened when Wooden shows up and pulls rank. As this is happening, May gets a phone call from Peter who is uh, worried about Mayday because obviously a bunch of young costumed heroes were attacked. Uh, Peter then informs Peter that uh, May, excuse me, then informs Peter that it's the Hobgoblin that attacked them. Uh, she, when she asks if Phil is still around, Peter says he had to take off. As he says that, Peter keeps trying to talk to her and realizes that he's that she's no longer on the phone, that she's hung up, and she is trying to get a hold frantically of her uncle Phil. Uh, Phil kind of has this bit of a cocky attitude about the situation, but May informs him of the events of last issue just in time for Hobgoblin to sneak up on him. He hangs up, and uh, May starts freaking out and kind of blurts out that Phil, Phil uh, York is being attacked. This causes Ken and her to spring into action. Meanwhile, back at the hideout, uh, Phil is getting absolutely pummeled. Holly references that... Uh, Goblins at the gate saying that his last encounter with an Osborne was unsatisfactory. You see, he wanted Normie, but he's settling for Phil because obviously Phil's an associate of Osborne, so he would have to do. The irony of this page is years later, those roles would sort of be reversed, unfortunately, with Phil being the Hobgoblin killing Daniel Kingsley. Uh, and so instead of um, being the person that's being attacked, he's the aggressor later on. Um, so, uh, May arrives, but Phil is super beat up, says that uh, the place is set up to blow, and that he, uh, that she needs to get away. Uh, the place then explodes, but just as the place explodes, May saves Phil just in the nick of time. Phil mentioned that Kingsley had a family obligation to tend to, which clues May in that, of, into where he's headed. He's headed to Kingsley Comfortware. May's um, May's phone rings, and on the other line is Courtney. Moose is having a going-away party. Uh, Moose and his brothers are moving to Jersey while their dad is recuperating the hospital. And so May's been invited to this going-away party, this last-minute get-together. 
Daniel, meanwhile, is lamenting his life choices because he's financially in debt and things are not going particularly well with the company. When Roddy shows up to remind him of all what he all of what he could have had, he could have had it all. Of course, he could have had it all illegally. Mayday then shows up and. Kingsley remarks about how she's wearing the black suit, and that was a particularly dark period in her father's life. Meanwhile, Brenda is recovering, and Nomi says that he wants to get married here, right now. More than a few minutes later, Nomi leaves to, uh, uh, is walking out when Weedon kind of inf- talks about trying to set up a plan, but Nomi is not hearing anything of it. He, he, he tells him to get out of his way, and he will not be... Uh, let anybody get in his way to avenging a loved one. So Hobby uh, denigrates Mayday uh, as he's fighting her, calling her unskilled and comparing her to her father. He then throws these special razor bats at her. Um, these razor bats basically are kind of continue swirling around the person, that he, the intended target. And um, he says he's willing to spare. <laughs> he says he's willing to spare Mayday, but only if she gives up the location of her dad. Mayday, of course, uh, trying to get away, crashes through glass as uh, one of the Squire agents uh, is outside. And he says their time is at hand. Meanwhile, half a world away. Um, uh, the, at the worst dinner party of all time, Raza declines the black tarantula's offer. Um, Mayday <laughs> thinks that she's got the drop on Javi uh, when her phone unfortunately rings again. This, uh, this causes him to attack her in the smoke is also too much for her and starts making her woozy. Um, so, Maze can't give up attitude and noise hobby because she continues to, to fight on despite being, uh, you know, kind of woozy from that from that gas. It reminds her of her father. Speaking of, Peter has rushed home and informs MJ of what's going on. MJ tries to convince him that it's a really bad idea. Uh, but Peter is not having any of it. He grabs the spider costume and says, Spider-Man must live again. And so... He doesn't say it like that. I know. I, I, I made it a little overdramatic. Um, so, so, Javi is about to go in for the kill and it makes one of the most sexist remarks that, he's ever, that I've ever seen him make. Basically says that fem- the little girls are not... Uh, uh, suited for superhero work when May knocks him onto his butt. Kane shows up as the, as the ultimate troll uh, remarking that how does it feel to get knocked out by a 16 year old girl. Uh, and it looks like he's on the ropes but the Squires of course show up and they encircle Kane and May. Kane and May fight side by side when she suddenly stopped cold. It is the Squire, the one that she's had visions about for multiple issues. And he stabbed Mayday to be continued. And normally I would play the uh, AS, the, 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 but I'm not going to. Don't, for don't, sake. don't ruin it. Don't ruin a good, <laughs> don't ruin a good scene. Uh, so yeah, so I mean, for me, things are really high stake in this issue, obviously, especially how we end it. Um, and, you know, ultimately there's not much to say. This is, again, a very action-driven storyline um, you know, I really do, I really will say this, as much as, you know, Hopgoblin's kind of trying to get her goat and get her to trip up, May's doing a wonderful job considering she pretty much has her hands tied behind her back with no web shooters right now. Right. Like, you know, she is, 
you know, she, she's not, it's not an even playing field. He's got all of his toys. She just has herself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and she's going pretty toe to toe with him. Like she's, and that was something too that I noticed. And I'm going to bring it up here. Uh, I was also going to bring it up with a hundred, but I'll bring it up right here too. In 97, when she's sparring with Bill, how when she runs on instinct, she's pretty much knocking Phil to the floor every time. Yeah. Like it's almost, you know, like, you know, we've seen this whole series build up to her learning how to, you know, be spider girl and how to be a hero and be, you know, be these greats that she saw like the Avengers and fantastic five, you know, and we've gone from where she was struggling, you know, to kind of, get the best of Phil in his, you know, his little, like, not relays, you know what, like the obstacle horses, but, you know, here it's now kind of a walk in the park. It's a piece of cake. And so, you know, we've really seen her grow so much. And then the fact that like, we haven't even gotten through the school year is, crazy to me when you think about it like she she has taken on to this like a fish you know takes to water obviously so she you know it's this is just in our blood this is what she's born to do mm-hmm. and i it's really fun to see it like i mean her tenacity shines here uh she's not going to give up her back is like i said against the wall her hands are tied behind her back you know she knows and she knows what's about to happen but she's not going to go down without a fight. Like, right. you know, she didn't run. She, she did call out for help, but you know, she didn't run and she was going to try and fight him off in a different way. And it just didn't work out because the prophecy had to be fulfilled. And I also want to bring up again, this is all Kane's fault. <laughs> it really is. Kane, Kane's prophetic, like, visions always tend to not end well <laughs> like it doesn't and they never end the way you think they're going to end you know anyway so yeah my, my thoughts on a 99 is love the another great cover uh, all four of these covers tonight are fantastic oh, yeah. love them all um I just feel like the humor was down pat. The scene with, with uh, Peter as he's talking to May and, and she's already hung up. Yeah. Really, it, it made me laugh out loud when I was rereading this. Um, it's I, the most I, relatable, like, dad-daughter. <laughs> it could be a meme. It should be a meme. Like, <laughs> yeah. The, the smug look that Phil has... When, he, when Mayday calls him, he's like, yeah, I'm going to get to fight the Hobgoblin. Yeah. It doesn't end well. <laughs> it's so like yeah. the dichotomy of like the smug look he has on his face versus what eventually happens. It's just like, oh, Phil, you never learn. Um, it, it Just a, such a great job of of the the, the composition on the work. And, and I really like the, the stuff with Moose and Courtney. Um I love how uh, uh, Roddy is just does not care about Daniel's well-being, especially when he shows up and he's like, since when have you done things the straight and narrow? Like, come on now. Um, I just love how much of a force of nature that that Hobgoblin is here as a villain. And it's just he's super, super imposing. Um, 
if I if if I had a con, I mean the the stuff with Black Tarantula, only one page in this issue, but it's just like okay, it, it's very much a slow yeah. burn. I mean, it's well, I think it's meant to be like this. That's the tension. I mean, that's it's the obvious. Like he Fabian did go in trying to be civil, trying to play fair, and trying you know trying to deal with it like a business transaction. Now, of course, more than likely what he told her was, hey, I want to wife this girl up when she gets of age because I say so. And that's gross. But, you know, it's the thing is, is he was trying to get them to back down peacefully. And, you know, as we'll see later, that's not going to happen. Um, I mean, we already know it's not going to happen, but like, we'll see later how that pans out. And so the thing is, it's just, it's, it's more of like that suspense tension. It's supposed to feel uneasy, but it's not a uh, necessary, because like you said earlier about last issue, it's cinematic. A lot of the way this is kind of planned out and the way this, this whole story looks is cinematic it looks like it should be an animated series or a movie uh you know we've talked about this a few times in the way some yeah. issues wind up being like they just look like they could translate really well into another medium and you know like the winter soldier shoulder well i can't talk anymore but uh <laughs> says in the comments um yeah like why has hasn't there been an animated series yet um don't know because yeah. it, it looks like like I mean the blueprint is kind of set very well here um so yeah no I mean ultimately I think the thing is is that like we're talking about suspense we shouldn't keep other people waiting any longer and we should definitely get into 100 because like this story is it sucks you in and you want to keep going page by page until the story Absolutely. ends and then you want to read it again exactly and didn't want it to be over so this thing, I just added up all the pages without ads. Mm-hmm. 86. Huh? So 100 pages, I think, uh, with ads uh, on this particular issue. And it, it trust me, when you hold it up and, and you got it in your hands, it's it's thick. Now, there's yeah. two reprints in here. We'll talk about that. But um, uh, it yeah, is... We're not, um, are, are you going to talk about the, the, the reprinted stories? Or no, because I think we've talked about them, right? Not in explicit detail. I'm just gonna, yeah, okay. not explicit detail. I'm just gonna tell you that they're that we've covered what issues they are, and that's it. Okay. Um, okay so this is cover dated uh, September 2006. July 12th, 2006 was the release date. Uh, plot script and pencils by Tom DeFalco, Ron Friends, and Pat Olaf. Pat Olaf's back, yay! Um, uh, the only reason you wanted this issue too. I, just, I know. I just, so somebody. Somebody tell tell Pat that Zach like fought me tooth and nail for this issue. Not really. I let him have it, but like this was his reason. So. <laughs> yes, because it's my redemption arc. Because this is I've been saying, oh, this is la- Pat's last issue. Pat's last. It's not. This is this is technically Pat's. Uh, I think the last time he does the interiors. Uh, yeah. Period. So. Yeah. He- do some variant covers, but not the interiors. Um, so art finishes by Sabi Sema and, and Scott uh, Koblish. Uh, artist emeritus is Al Williamson. Colorist is Gotham. Letterer is Dave Sharp. Uh, Molly Laser is the editor. Editor-in-chief was Casada, And Dan Buckley was the publisher. Uh, this is this has got so much content in it that it has a table of contents. 
It does. It has a table of contents on the previously page. But first, all right, If the, the title of the issue is If Death Be My Destiny. All right, uh, this exercise issue picks up right where we left the last one off. Mayday is stabbed in front of Kane, and he is pissed. He declares death to them all. Um, and uh, so Ronnie, he thinks it's kind of odd for uh, such a professional to take it so personally. He takes off. Now, I completely, in my when I was writing down my recap, I missed two pages, so I'm, I'm recapping this kind of freestyling for a second. Um, uh, Normie shows up, and uh, as, you know, he's lurking in the shadows. Normie then, you know, uh, gets told the spider goes down, and Normie, the symbiote, just absolutely destroys a bunch of the, of the scryers. They uh, go off to regroup, and meanwhile, um, you know, Normie's like, you obviously have a history with these people, which Kane's like, yeah, uh, I once retrieved uh, a, them a precious little package, and they're not very forgiving. That's not important now. Wink, wink. That precious I mean, little. We've been setting. We've been setting little things up here and there. The last four issues. That's true. Back. So. Um, about it. And so you know, Kane's like, she's she's about to bleed out, and then forget it. There, she'll never make it. So then, Normie gives her the symbiote, and. Um, you know, he's like, can you trust Kane's like, can you trust this thing? Is it going to do it? You know, is it going to work? Is it going to do what you think it's going to do? Which then transitions us to Pat Olaf drawing where we have uh, Mayday, you know, waking up to all of our entire rogues gallery. Um, they're taunting her, telling her she's not good enough and that, you know, that she wasn't as good as her father, that she was always destined to die. And then we cut over to the Parker residence uh, where we pick up where we left off. Peter is suiting up. Um, he's almost changed, and Mayday is not happy. She's in tears, but she Mayday. is resolved. MJ, Mary Jane. Yeah, Mary Jane. Mayday. Yeah, sorry. Mary Jane, thank you, is not happy. She's in tears, but then she uh, takes a breath, and then she is resolved, and she says, go get our girl. Peter then swings off. Meanwhile, uh Peter swings off promising her that uh, she, he's going to go get their girl. That's a promise that Spider-Man has made. So, uh, meanwhile, we're back across the world with Black Tarantula and Raza. She is denying the terms of what Black Tarantula wants, but then Black Tarantula pulls a fast one and challenges her to trial by contact combat. Basically, puts her putting her in a corner because if she does not accept the trial, then she will look weak in front of all of her minions. So basically, he's been he's been playing chess with her uh, quite a bit. So in the mindscape, we uh, have Pat Olaf drawing again. Mayday is haunted by her own floating heads of guilt when Normie shows up and assures her that she's done the best that she could that the world still needs Spider-Girl. Um, meanwhile, back at the Kingsley factory, uh, Daniel thinks he's hit the jackpot for insurance purposes when, <laughs> when Hobby shows back up and threatens his life. At this point, Peter joins the fray, and then he's informed that of the death of Mayday. Uh, Peter then lets, you know, at this point, Peter lets his guard down, and he is subsequently attacked and, and mocked by Hobgoblin, saying that, you know, Meanwhile, back in Dreamland, Normie hugs uh, Mayday and tells her to keep fighting to not give up. He tells her that he loves her, but that he's not in love with her. He's in love with Brenda. Normie offers the symbiote, telling her that hey, it's... hold on, hold on, because I'm... Hold on. He loves Mayday, but he's not 
in love with Mayday. He's in love with it. You got to switch it. He's telling her because the thing is, he's still saying that he loves her. Right. You're kind of dismissing it. Like it's almost a deeper. Like it's not anything like romantic, but it's a deep, deep love. It's a deep, unconditional kind of love. Yes. Like, like you're my best friend. I love you. I I would be willing to live, lay down my life for you. But my love for Brenda is different. And I hope you see that. That's that's what, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say is that it's, it's a different thing. Yes. So, um, uh, Brit, uh, telling, uh, so Normie informs Mayday that the symbiote's kind of returned back to its its original state, uh, where it's you know it was obviously influenced heavily by the rejection that you know that happened over the years, and you know May then comes to and she's clothed in a modified version of the original co- of her original costume, kind of, and. May or the king then gives Normie his trench coat to make sure that this does not become a Max comic. The symbiote has removed uh, Normie's tattoos as a farewell gift and scars. Yeah, and his scars. Uh, when the scryers show up again, meanwhile the trial by contact combat has continu- continues on, and Raza she thinks she's, she's got the upper hand. Uh, Cut back to Peter. He's still fighting the goblin, thinking about May as he fights, ignoring his spider sense. As the and and the gas from his glider has a nerve agent. Uh, just as Peter's about to slip away, May shows up and attacks. May then aggressively holds the goblin against the wall uh, with the symbiote, while Peter implores her to stop because he's she's threatening to snap his neck because she is not having it. Um. Then, of course, uh, Hobby. Uh, knowing that uh, the sim- Venom symbiote was somehow involved with Spider-Girl, uh, p- employs a sonic device. But instead of slithering away like it normally would in terror, it attacks Hobgoblin, knowing that it's absolute certain death. Um, as it flies away, Mayday implores Peter to help save her, the symbiote. And Peter's very confused. She? Her? And so... Mayday informs Peter that the symbiote has grown up. It's evolved. It's uh, matured. She's an alien who never wanted to come here in the first place. And a, sim- a symbiotic creature whose first host rejected her, filling with her hate rem- and resentment. The second host twisted and used her. She became a vicious monster until Normie welcomed her into his life. He taught her about friendship, love, self-sacrifice, and even redemption. And as this these... Things are being said to by May. The symbiote is slowly but surely dying and withering away. So Peter is basically like, "We got to take the win. Like, let's take the W or t- take the draw and, and live to fight." L. What's that? Take the L. Take the W as a win, but losing losing a, a valued comrade in battle is not a a win. It's a it's a loss. So you're saying take the L. Mm-hmm. Take the loss and keep going because there's there are bigger things to deal with. Unfortunately, there wasn't anything that they could do. Exactly. Without, uh, Venom sacrificing themselves. Mm-hmm. So uh, at this point, you know, Mace, like you don't understand, like we need to like that maniac is done a lot of things to me. And as she's doing this, she shoves him against the wall and 
Peter quietly says, I'm not your enemy, May. And this kind of snaps May out of it. And um, she apologizes for losing her temper. And Peter goes, Spider-Girl, since you're taking the lead in this battle, you're going to need these. And he hands off his web shooters, metaphorically passing the torch in a lot of ways to his daughter. Um, so... Peter gives her the web shooters and we cut to the Parker house. Mayday is spooked by the phone. So uh, it's Davina calling for Mayday. Yes. Yeah, she... Should I just do this? (laughs) Yes. Uh, She's she's calling uh, the house, trying to look for Mayday. MJ is elated that it's for a party and she literally bursts into tears. Uh, uh, she's a nervous wreck. She's waiting for a phone call to tell to tell her that you know her husband or her or her daughter died or both, and so she's just so glad that it's just Davida calling about a party because exactly. It's May. You know, and then she kind of laments to Ben that that something's got to change. So, meanwhile, Mayday uh, confronts Hobby using the shadows. She's because Hobby is obviously licking his wounds. It's not been a good day for Hobby. Like it turned very quickly. Um, she uses the shadows to her advantage, and um, she's about to sneak up on him when he's uh, when he turns around and is about to use the old finger blast. But this time, Mayday webs the finger, um, uh, causing it to backfire. Kingsley threatens her, and she uses her webs to to grab him and sling him like a slingshot. She's finally feeling loose and slamming heat, and beats the living tar out of him, and wins. She's about to collapse from exhaustion when she sees why her father, who was supposed to join her in this battle, hadn't rejoined her. And Raza, we cut over to Raza. She's beginning to insult Fabian, saying that he whoa, should. Whoa, you missed a page. Did I miss a page? I'm sorry. Yeah. So uh, uh, I've got it in front of me. Uh, so okay. I'll, I'll help you out here. Basically, um, you know, as she goes ahead and webs up uh, Hobby, that's when, she, like I said, she's looking to find her dad and she finds that they're fighting and she goes to help. Because uh, she, what she sees, she sees Normie in a trench coat. Normie nude in an open trench coat with a, uh, with a, a knife. I just have to like give everyone this mental image because he's literally wielding like a samurai knife. He's nude with an open trench coat because he did not button that thing. Um, Kane and uh, her dad are all like being completely surrounded and ganged up on by like dozens, like 50 at least uh, scryers. So she goes, obviously, to go help. And then we cut to, to that. Yeah, then we cut to um, Raza, who starting, feels like she's starting to get the upper hand, that she's calling it utter nonsense, that he's really not that good of a fighter, and yeah, that he should end this whole charade. And so then he decides to. He literally shoots laser beams out of his eyes and ends the entire fight. He honors her last request by vaporizing her. Uh, he is the new Scryer Prime, and there are to be new instructions to be relayed to NYC. Meanwhile, in NYC, uh, as, as the four, uh, the, 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 this Fantastic Four is about to continue the fight. I don't, wait, what's fantastic about the, this four? 
Not because it's Spider-Man and Kane and Normie and, and who's nude. Yeah, and- no. <laughs> no, no, I mean, it's just it's in this very dysfunctional family that is the Spider family. This is very, and Normie is, is he, Peter is his godfather. So, you know, technically that's all family here. This is, this is a very dysfunctional looking fantastic. This is like the fantastic foot. Uh, four of the backwoods of Louisiana <laughs> or Alabama. <laughs> so um, all the scryers disappear to everyone's confusion. The group uh, is then informed via a mysterious voice that uh, it was black tarantula who did this. And uh, Peter is very, very, very confused because he doesn't know what's going on. And Kane thinks that this is an alliance that may have doomed them all. Um, but quickly, um, Normie, who's still nude, is, um... Well, no, is it, it looks like, it looks like he's covered himself up at this point. But. Yeah, he, he really has. He, he, I think he finally buttoned up the uh, trench coat. Um, <laughs> but May informs Normie of the symbiote's passing, and he understood, he said, yeah, I already knew, because I felt it die. Um, I felt her die. King is trying to get him to the hospital, because, you know... He's got a wedding to, to catch. <laughs> May, May is kind of shocked by this because she's like, wait, you're still going to go through this ceremony? He's like, listen, after everything that's happened today, I think, you know, life's too short. Let's go ahead and get it done. So um, May uh, says, uh, you know, she'll meet up with him later after she goes and appreh- you know, checks on uh, the Hobgoblin, who, of course, has escaped. Uh, P- Peter went with her and Peter... <laughs> And MJ or Peter and May go home where MJ gives them an ultimatum. They must stop being web slingers. Meanwhile, uh, we cut over to Kingsley, uh, who has fled to his brother's apartment to lick his wounds, and he vows that he's going to stay around and take over the criminal underworld. Uh, May is getting changed, uh, and Peter is also getting changed, and Peter kind of informs May that she has earned the right to be Spider-Girl and that he would talk to Mary Jane. We cut then to the wedding at the hospital, uh, where Christy and King are acting as witnesses. Mayday was there. Uh, there's also a nurse. Yeah, there's a nurse there, too. Yeah, she's a witness. Uh, she's holding flowers. She's yeah, holding flowers. Girl. She was the maid of honor. Maid <laughs> <laughs> of operation nurse. Yep, yeah, she's the maid of honor. I mean, that's how quickly this has all come together. Um, you know, uh, Brenda laments that uh, Spider-Girl couldn't be there, but uh, Normie, who locks eyes with his with, with May, says that she was here in spirit. Um, <laughs> Mayday, of course, being the Parker luck kicking in, uh, arrives just in time to the house party for them to basically be cleaning up. Uh Mayday also finally wants to clear the the air between Courtney and and her because obviously Courtney's like, well, I know how you you feel about Moose and 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 Mayday's like, look, you might have heard some rumors and Courtney kind of dismisses this and says, look, I know you, I know him, I know you would never do anything with him, like no. So um, Davida had kind of excused herself and so that the two of them could talk, but when she walks back in. Um, she sees May consoling Courtney because Courtney is like very sad that Moose is not here and that he's gone and that she's going to miss him. So 
Um, Maven heads home, and she's doing her best. Part- Parker patented woe in me internally, but then she holds her head up. She is the daughter of Spider-Man. And despite her making her mistakes, despite all the, th- all the tragedy that has occurred and all the stuff that she's done, she's done a lot of good, too. And it's Spider-Girl world, and it's a big final splash page uh, as I hold it up right there. Um, it's a Spider-Girl world, the end for now, and then there's a little caption box that says, and true words have never been spoken. Uh, a two-page letters page uh, follows. Where the- oh, yeah, that's right. I'm not in, I'm not, first I was like, yeah, it's even in Marvel Unlimited, but I'm not in that. I'm, <laughs> I'm in the thing that I don't, that doesn't actually exist. So, okay, this is the part where the issue ends. If you're reading this on Marvel Unlimited, this is where the issue ends. But there's a two-page letters page uh, that follows a um, cover gallery where they have all 100 covers on one page. It was done by Spider-Man or Spiderfan.org. Uh, they had a pretty good relationship with Marvel at the time. This is around the same time they had done also some help on Marvel Knights. Um, so. The big thing, though, was on the next page. Yeah, as Kelly is showing uh, the, that digital copy and showing the, that cover gallery. No, it's, the, it's not a digital copy. It's, it's, I'm not showing anything. It's very... Oh, very yeah. oh so, sorry. I was, I was describing for our audio listeners. That's all I was saying. Yeah, uh, but then there was something on the next page. And it was a big one full page ad of Spider, Amazing Spider-Girl number one. Um, with uh, swinging into your neighborhood this October. Now, if you've watched every episode of the show, well, almost every episode of the show, you'll notice that I have the poster uh, that was also released around the time. Uh, that is the house poster that was sent out to comic shops. Um, mine was one that was folded. It was not rolled. I wish I had a rolled version, but um, yeah. So Amazing Spider-Girl number one. This was something that um, was was a big deal at the time. Um, we also then have a rogues gallery of all the villains, like uh, like they go through all the villains that she's faced, all the amazing friends pages before they publish uh, republish issues twenty seven and fifty three. Well, so if this is your first episode, there's, the, there's also the Courtney Duran. Um, yeah, yeah, they they republished all those amazing friends backups that were in various issues. So, yep. And then there's the reprint of Spider Girl issue twenty seven as well. Sorry, dogs were. Uh, inter- yeah, were- I, I was just saying that there was the uh, reprint of issue twenty seven. Yes is what literally one of my favorite comics of all time and again could easily translate into a movie or a short with very minimal changes if you want to listen hear us uh, talk about that though you can go back to episode 12 of the show um that's where we covered 23 through 27 uh and then issue 53 we covered as a one shot episode 19 so uh, if you want to hear us go into more details, that's where the um, you can get more information. Kelly, I'm going to give it to you. So this is your yeah. Give us your- uh, and yes, that is 
the end because then I got to the digital comics preservation. Thanks, Blasty. Even though these don't exist. Um, but yeah. <laughs> don't recall. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so let me get back. Let me get through all of your breakdown to my notes because it is a lot. Uh, but yeah, so man, what a conclusion. I There's not a lot that you know you can say beyond how much you love this issue because uh, I love this issue a lot. It is honestly one of, I think like if you have to have a ending, it is an ending. This is amazing. It's an amazing conclusion to a lot of the storylines. Um, and, you know, like I said, earlier the major one where you know may has really grown into this role and she really is you know she really is the daughter of spider-man and this is her world and it's awesome to see i really love to see like just how far she's come in these hundred issues um you know and as i stated earlier it's like making go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a hobgoblin with almost no issue as soon as she gets those web shooters like she takes them out like it's quick uh, you know, she was fighting earlier with her hands tied behind her back. And, you know, we also, we get to see the good that she's done just by being there as Spider Girl and just saving people like Normie and how, you know, basically how through her not giving up on him, it kind of helped, you know, help Normie save Venom. And it was like this ripple effect, uh, you know, almost this ripple effect of her being kind and compassionate and and doing, you know, the right thing, like her responsibility to do the right thing created a ripple effect for Normie to also carry that torch and help something else. And I, I mean, I also did also make a joke that Normie might've just taken Venom to therapy with him. Uh, and that also kind of worked. Um, but, you know, that wouldn't have happened had, may not you know save normie and gave normie a chance to save like rehabilitate the symbiote and i really enjoy it like and then this is where i brought this up earlier but i really enjoy how normie always calls venom it and then when it when may is talking about it uh she always brings up she and you know we've seen where eddie will bring up he but peter would bring up it and so you know, it, it's, I kind of feel like because it's always in their head, especially like when May, when May starts feeling really, really angry, the Venom uh, symbiote is like, yes, I'm angry too. I'm going to kill Hobby because May is angry. And I think that a lot, a lot of times Venom just kind of feeds off the emotions that they're given. And so I think that it also feeds off of the, the gender and the way that they feel. And so with May, it felt more feminine for some reason with, and maybe it's because of the crushes. Maybe for all we know, this symbiote had a crush on Normie. Uh, maybe it really likes Disney movies. Uh, that seems, that actually seems fairly canon now. <laughs> but, I, you know. I almost got, I almost went on and got pre-prepared clipped for this uh, this episode oh man yeah yeah, yeah it, it'll be all right we'll, we'll have another time for that but you know the whole thing though is, is like the pro pronoun difference is subtle but i feel like it's really needed 
And I feel like it was rare during this time frame to even have something like that because like I said earlier, it's like a symbiote doesn't need a gender. It can be any gender. It can be neither gender. It can be different genders given whatever, you know, host it's on or whatever it feels like. And so, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it, it's just, it's really nice to kind of see that, that, you know, it, it's not always defined. Um, like the gender is not defined. I'll put it that way. Um, yeah. It's, and then, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, similar, it's similar to um, doing kind of getting to do it their way. Yeah. Where, where, you know, if Tom and Ron had continued, you know, how it might have evolved, uh, it, it reminds me very similarly. The new Ben Riley um, issue came out, and um, today, as we're recording this, and <laughs> I already knew who the big villain was because I got told by JMD Matthias before. Um, don't spoil it. I won't spoil it, but one of the things he said was, I get to do this character my way. I hated the character and I get to do it my way. He didn't say it on the show because we didn't want to spoil it on the show, but that was something he specifically said. Uh, I get to do it my way. To which um, uh, Neil, who was there but didn't hear the spoiler, um, but just saw my face uh, because I was like a pure shock. Um, Yeah. So I kind of feel it the same way here as I do did with like, oh, okay, that's really interesting because I feel like that Tom and Ron really try to do something different and profound yeah. with it and gave it a definitive ending that I think was, you know, really cool. Obviously, they'll play with, yeah. you know, minor spoiler, they'll play with symbiotes as a concept later uh, in Amazing Spider Girl, but um, I mean, it's it's a different, different it's, symbiote. Yeah, different emotions and different uh, trauma. <laughs> um, so it's a little bit different. But yeah, I mean, the thing is with Venom, Venom was always never necessarily evil, just hurt and jealous. And, you know, yeah. it, it had its own own baggage. And we kind of get to see that, you know, it's th- through Normie's help. And that was very clear that May had to say that. So that means that that's something that was said to to May. And I think that that really, too, also, it's like, you know, May trusted her gut to trust Normie. And that was a good call because Normie was able to not, I, w- I don't like using the word rehabilitate, but like that's basically kind of how it is. It's, you know, was basically able to say, look, I can get through to this. I can talk to this thing. I can bond with the symbiote and help the symbiote heal and that's exactly what he did and he did it to the point that you know when we first saw this venom symbiote there's no way that this venom symbiote would have sacrificed themselves for may and now it could be because they knew how much normie loved may and that's kind of why i wanted to bring that up on that because even though yes he's in love with brenda and brenda is his wife and he wants to be with her there is this deep, unconditional like love and this current that goes through May and Normie that I think is really unshakable. And, you know, that's something that is special. And I think regardless of how you interpret that, um, you know, Venom knows. Venom knows exactly what was going through May's head, exactly what was going through Normie's head. And whatever happens, caused this symbiote to say 
hey, I tried to kill them earlier. I didn't like that, you know, I didn't like them earlier, but now I'm going to lay my life on the line for them. And that's, you know, I think that that's very special and that's a very big thing and very important to bring up. And that's kind of why it's like, it's, that's the power that May has had, you know, from being, you know, it's her tenacity, it's her compassion. And like I said, it's her responsibility and willingness to always do the right and fair thing that's created this. And it's, you know, really, like I said, it's really important to see. Um, I did like the resolution with Courtney because, you know, that didn't seem very fair to Courtney's characterization to now all of a sudden be jealous. No, really, this is just Jimmy being Jimmy and starting drama even though he has no stones to, to throw here in this yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, it was very nice to see, like, you know, you kind of brought up DeVita walked away. Uh, I do want to make sure that it's just kind of discussed. I don't think DeVita walked away thinking that, you know, May needed to talk to Courtney about how, you know, cheating on Moose with Moose or whatever. Like, I don't think DeVita even thought that. I think DeVita just knew that like Courtney felt hurt and, you know, May and her needed to talk. And, and, that, and Davida, that kind of shows the growth of Davida, too, is that she's willing to give them that space yeah. that she wouldn't have asked. And she did because, you know, like she knew and she understood that that is something that needed to be done. Um, yeah. Uh, so I completely agree with you on that. Um, not much to disagree with you at all on what you're saying. Uh, my notes are simply this. Uh, it really, I remember reading the book and then getting to the next page and my jaw hitting the floor Mm -hmm. that we got amazing. And that because solicitations had not come out yet. So we didn't know because there's a full two months that we knew and there was nothing and so we were kind of oh you know so we were very like there was a bit of a melancholy feel and then bam when that came out like everybody lost their minds yeah no i i mean i i want to say i remember it but at the same time this is like just before because i wound up having knee surgery around the time amazing started uh, Mm um because of my basketball injury but I had been dealing with it for a full year. So it's like, I was in pain. Uh, so I remember vaguely stuff, but it's like, I remember being, I remember seeing it and being really, really excited. But I will say this, the story itself does not feel like a coda. It does like the way it ends doesn't feel like it's a coda. It doesn't feel like it's ended, ended. It's a comma. It's a clear comma. Yeah. And, very much. you know, I've obviously the story does not end, but like had the story ended here, Sure, it would have been, you know, still really great, but, you know, it wouldn't have felt completed because there still felt like there were more stories to tell. So I feel like the Hobgoblin scene was one of those that was added in pretty late when they definitively knew, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I think they could have changed a couple of things here and there to make it a more definitive ending if they had to have. But I think they got that they got the word uh, pretty early on. And I think that, you know, giving them the chance to relaunch a new number one, um, you know, was going to be something that was, that was big. Now, did it keep the sales? 
Not really, but I'll explain kind of why. There was a lot of changes during this yeah. time. Um, um, but we'll, we'll definitely explain that whenever we do the first amazing issue. I do want to note there is a zero issue um, of amazing, but yeah. it's well, it's more recappy. Yeah, we'll probably when we do start it, we'll probably include it in the whoever does the breakdown for number one. We'll probably also just do zero. Yeah, because um, it's not. It's more of just kind of a hey, if you're a new reader and you haven't read all 100 issues of Spider Girl, here's a quick recap. Um, and that's basically it. Yeah, if, if you remember us talking about the diary portion of uh, the annual, and I think, what was it, episode three or four, when yeah. we covered the 99 annual, that's, it's very much in that same vein. So. But easier to read. <laughs> yes. Very easy <laughs> to read. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, like I said earlier with the comma, comma, coda comment, you know, this is also like a comma because it's definitely not a coda for us here at Make Mine Mayday. And like I said, we're gonna try and take a well-deserved break before we start on Amazing Spider-Girl sometime in May. But before uh, April ends, we will do that bonus episode uh, for Last Planet Standing. So we're not like gone, but we are gonna take a little bit of a break because yeah. I think it's well-deserved at this point. Yeah, this is part one of the finale. Part two is, you know, Last Planet Standing because it kind of goes in between the two volumes and, and it, you know, um, kind of a celebration of the MC2 up to this point. It does kind of, there's a, a couple of questions that we have in the comments yeah. uh, before, we, uh, before we wrap up. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, because we, we don't have any reviews or emails or mail or voicemail. Uh, so you guys should get on the ball with that. So, uh, but we need voicemails for this show. So if you want to leave us a voicemail, the voicemail number is 818-925-6631. But so we got some comments. So let's, um, uh, let's see. Curious about the creative process of these issues. I read somewhere Marvel wanted to kill Mayday and the rest of the MC2 in issue 100, but not true. I don't think that that would have ever happened, even if that's something somebody really wanted. No, the the thing was was that the digest at this point were selling so well they needed to continue producing content for the digests. So, I think that the mar the marketing department was like, let's just relaunch the book with a new number one. Yeah, I'm, and but um, by relaunching it with a new number one, we can we can do a big marketing push. They've already done all this work. Let's reward the fans. You know, the, there was a big concerted effort to try to do more MC2 content because those digests were selling so well. So it, that's that's not necessarily the case. Joe Casada often was credited as saying that, or has been credited by Tom DeFalco as being one of the biggest champions of Spider Girl at the time. Yeah, and he was one of the biggest reasons that the title kept going. And he had such a, I think he, even though they had disagreements like of like like specific characters. I think there was a big respect between DeFalco and, and, and Joe Casada. Yeah. Cause that's that he said back in the message board days, that's something he said, even in interviews over the years is always consistently said that one of the biggest supporters we had wasn't just Bob Harris, but, but also Joe Casada. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I think, I think the issue is, is like they, you know, in terms of like big editors like that, 
a lot of times they look at what what is trending. They have to listen to the marketing teams and, mar- you know, the people saying this is trending and this is cool and this is hot and this is what people want. And, you know, unfortunately, Spider-Girl kind of was always set on where it was set at a time where they were being told that, oh, girls don't read comics. Or, you know, if girls want to read comics, they want to read something like Mary Jane Loves Spider-Man or uh, Trouble uh, and not anything, you know, not anything cool or, or fun or somebody that they can relate to. And, yeah, that was definitely wrong. Uh, and I'm glad, you know, that we were able to kind of prove that. But, like, let's also be fair, most of the readers for Spider-Girl were guys most of the people on Save Spider-Girl were guys. Um, so there's that kind of dichotomy there too. And I think that that also contributed to certain aspects of what certain people wanted and they weren't getting it because, you know, we don't really need to see a teenager in the shower. Except for that one. Exactly. And you, uh, like there are some people talking about the UI issues on Marvel Limited. You want to briefly touch on that right quick uh i mean i can it's yeah so in the comments uh, a lot of people mostly uh neil uh was bringing up just kind of about how you know if we could restore those pages uh sometimes unorganized uis and ux team behind the scenes with uh codes can make it easy to lose lose stuff with older content. But the issue here with these particularly is that I don't think they've been changed since they were originally scanned. So I think it's probably more something as if it's just somehow got missed because when these were scanned in, they were scanned in just before the app launched, which was 2010, so 12 years ago. So I think that that has a lot to do with it. I think it's just older and I think that I think they just got missed because they were rushing to get so much content out in so mm-hmm. little time on something that honestly I don't think they thought would work. No. I I don't think anybody anticipated the amount of success that Unlimited has brought. Um, and it wasn't an overnight success either. And I want that to like be very clear. It took years. Um, we all, it's almost as if like the world had to catch up with it. Like we had to get more used to using our, our cell phones and smartphones and used to, you know, kind of traveling with mm-hmm. digital copies of stuff uh, before it really took off. And now, you know, there's definitely should be money involved in fixing things and they should want to fix things. But I think right now they're actually more focused on creating new content, which is funny because they tried that at the start and then said it was a huge failure. And now look at them. The Infinite Comics uh, craze that they tried to do around about a decade ago. You know, it's funny how how cyclical things are because they're doing that all the time now. Well, I mean, I just remember them going, oh, hey, we're going to put this comic out digitally because y'all asked for it because you, the fans, want more Spider-Girl. So here's a digital comic. Why aren't y'all looking at the, why can't we quantify like a, an amount that we're getting from this comic? We can't quantify it. You know what, I, like it was 
stupid because they weren't thinking straight. I don't it, think. And I mean, maybe it had something to do with views and clicks. I don't know. Right. Um, but like the way that it always sounded to me was always like, we want to be able to quantify how, you know, money wise, how much we're making through Spider Girl. And there really wasn't, I don't think the data was fully there in the app it, at the time because this is right at the Disney merger. Mm-hmm. I also think that too, they wanted, they, they took advantage of the Spider Girl fan base because they knew they had a built in audience that was fiercely loyal. And you know that they could sit there and say, okay, we know, we know where our baseline is going to be. Now we have to grow it from there. And look, it's the best value. I mean that, and before comicsology screwed everything up and redid everything um, for Amazon screwed it all up. That and comicsology unlimited were the two best values in, in all of comics. Like the amount of of volume of data that you got access to with a subscription is just astonishing to me. Well, I mean, but I remember in the beginning, very vividly in college, there wasn't as much as there is now. Um, They've done a great. Thing is, it felt like there was a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, at the time, I mean, they had you know the first five hundred issues of Spider Man and Fantastic Four. And we thought that was a lot, but now I mean, it's, it pales in comparison. And it's still not a, it's still not a complete service. I mean, it doesn't have most of yeah. the Spider Man side. Doesn't have Web of Spider Man mostly. Doesn't have. I swear, to, I swear to you, they lost half of J two, and I am not forgetting this. I am still going to bring Justice for J two. Yeah, Justice for J two. Um, uh, it's not a Mandela effect thing, guys. Like I, I remember it too. It's not like. It's not just Kelly that thinks this. So, um, I swear to you, all of it was on there. I swear that that's how they advertised it too. They were like, all of MC2 is on here, knowing that like that was something to entice the fan base and, and entice the. I think it was more to entice the Scholastic readers from the trades because by the time that Marvel Unlimited had come out, they weren't they were ending it, I believe. So, the little trades. Mm-hmm. That yeah, oh, yeah. They, they, well, it was because they jacked up the rate. Yeah, the price. Well, that, yeah, um, the whole, the whole agreement, uh, and then Scholastic was like, "We want more money." Um, yeah, like Scholastic. Uh, yeah, uh, probably. Honestly, I, I do think Thunderstrike is. Mis- I think I, I, I'll double check, but I believe. I don't think Thunderstrike is complete. Ah. Yeah. Let me double check. I, I got the uh, I know, Now here's the awkward time when we all go to, to answer this. Answer, uh, uh, I'm friends answer that on that. Hello, Ron. Um, we, uh, your artwork was astonished, like was incredible in these issues, by the way. And uh, yeah. just thank you for also always listening to our shows. I know yeah, we were doing uh, this on a Wednesday. Um, so. if, uh, there's one issue. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. Uh, no, there's one issue. I, I, I wonder if we can just talk to, like, I wonder if the same people that do the Marvel support for, like, the, are the same people you gotta email for for this. It's the 
same people you have to email. They don't know how to help you. This is this is a bigger deal. Like eventually, I think they all get forwarded, but it's I don't know. But yeah, it's it's literally one issue. And the and the reason that the one issue is in there is because they did like a whole, um, because they get some of the stuff from Comicsology, and I remember Comicsology did like this one big promotional thing where they did every number one ever. Of yeah, everything. probably. Yeah. And I think Thunderstrike was included on that. Hmm. So that's weird. It, it, it's a fun mini series. You need everybody needs to go read it. it. It's Tom and Ron at their best. Um. All right. So you know, Rinkman kind of made a pithy comment about next time on, on the all new Make My Mayday. Uh, Galactus comes to MC when he's brought his lobster bib. So, uh, Kelly, you want to tease the next episode? Yeah. Uh. So what's funny is normally I would like start teasing it, and I didn't really write that because. We are at the end. Um, like I said, we plan to come back in April for Last Plan Standing, and we are going to start Amazing by the end of May, hopefully before, because uh, I would like to get to it. Thank you so much for listening to us and going through all 100 issues of Spider-Girl. We are definitely not done. I would, like I said, this is a comma, not a coda, and we will see you guys later for more adventures with Mayday. Okay, with that, um, we'll wrap the show up. Of course, you can find us on our social medias. See us next time. Come find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Network. Find us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at SpideyDudeRadio and at MakeMindMayday. YouTube, SpideyDudeRadio Network. YouTube.com slash Network. Instagram, you can follow us on Instagram at Network and at Kelly McDaniel or KMcDaniel28, excuse me. Uh, follow us on TikTok at Make My Mayday and at Spidey Dude Network as well. Of course, you can always check things out at spidey-dude.com slash events. Once again, we want to thank our patrons at patreon.com slash Spidey Dude Network. Thank you guys for your support. And with that, we will see you next time here on the Spidey Dude Radio Network. <laughs>